Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Disclaimer, I got wrecked during worship, so I'm going to just blame it on the Holy Spirit. But, wow, Um, Lord, I would say come, but you're already here. I would say fill us. But you already have, and we're so unaware of it. Lord, my goal in life is to understand how it is that you can be inside of me and I can walk around and not be aware of it. Is there a greater mystery? Lord, teach us to be aware of your presence in our lives. I don't want to be like those on the road to Emmaus where I only recognize it's you at the very end. When my heart burns, I want to see, it's the Lord. Every time, especially when I'm with someone you want to speak to. David Olinger, are you still in the room? David, watch out, buddy. You're about to blow up in a good way. It's coming. And when it does, I hope I get to see it. I wish I had some more details. I've got some suspicions, but they're not necessarily from the Lord. But something's really about to take off and um, blow up in a good way. And there's somebody here named Angie. And this is not a rebuke, Angie. Is there somebody? Should we get you to stand up? Maybe not. Maybe not. But you're here. But um, forgiveness is a weapon of warfare for you. And the Lord uses that one all the time. And sometimes when you speak to someone about forgiveness, they feel a little bit corrected. Like, oh, I must be an unforgiveness. But the Lord forgives more than anybody, and he's not an unforgiveness. So hearing the need to forgive doesn't mean that you're in unforgiveness. So that's for Angie. And Angie, you could be watching online. Um. I started, the Lord just showed up over here with me, and I don't know what's going to happen today. (laughs) Uh, That was good last week with Robin, wasn't it? I don't want us to forget that one. Man, that was good. Um, You know, we sang about a sea of glass. Did we sing about a sea of glass today? David? Okay, I... I had something happening over there, and I wasn't sure if I was with you guys or some. It's not happened before. Let's pretend we sang about the sea of glass, because I think, <laughs> I think heaven did. Let me tell you, there's a sea of glass in front of the throne, and guess what I just learned? Okay, gold, they say when you purify it and get that last bit of impurity out, it becomes translucent and even transparent. And they can do it mathematically on these molecule uh, calculations, but I don't think they've done it yet in the lab at anything other than a molecular level. But one day we'll see it. Man will be able to make gold pure enough, possibly. But it doesn't matter because it's already that pure in heaven because it says the gold there is like glass. Well, guess what? I just found out that the sea of glass is gold. I always thought it was like actual water so still that you said, you ever been out to the lake in the morning when the wind's not blowing and you go, wow, it's like glass. If you ever water skied, man, that's what you want. Because you can do all kinds of stuff. But I saw people dancing. That sea of glass is filled with worshipers spinning and jumping and dancing and that's good stuff. Okay. All right. 
Let me get on to preaching here because I've only got two hours. <laughs> As I prepared for this message, um, the Lord reminded me of when Bethlehem was under siege by the enemy. Remember that story? And David said to his men, Ah, I wish I, wish I could just walk up to the well next to the gate and get a drink. And they thought he was nostalgically reminiscing about how good that water was. But he was, I think, feeling repulsed and depressed about the siege of the enemy in Bethlehem. But nonetheless, these guys saw that he wanted something that he couldn't get, and they were out to get it for him, and they'd risk their lives. Remember, got a drink, brought it back to him. It was so precious to him. So moved his heart, he poured it out as a drink offering before the Lord. Now, the reason I'm saying that, we work in some areas of Kenya, and it's under siege. Some places, there's the freedom that should be there is not there, and, and people can't just walk up and get clean water and and, and the, I imagine the Lord is there saying, I long to walk in this place to a well and just get clean water because that's him that's thirsty. Remember, he explained that in, in Matthew. And so I want to ask us to maybe consider saying this prayer. And this is a little bit solemn. I'll get funny again in a minute. But... I just think, like, who wouldn't want to be David's mighty men, right? Have you ever thought about that and said, man, to be one of those guys that just knows what he's called to do, you've got the skill. Some of those guys could shoot a bow with the left hand and the right hand the same. I mean, they were good at what they did, and they were attentive. What does he want? And so I've been praying a prayer that's absolute. I can't tell you it's setting me free it's what set me free this morning, and I know you're going to be like, how did that set you free? But it did. But here's the prayer. Lord, what is left to be done that you can't get anyone to do? What is it that you look in, in my neighborhood, in my, everybody's got a sphere, an orbit, right, that you don't go outside of, or maybe you only go outside of rarely, but really this is your thing. And for some people, it's your workplace, your neighborhood, your church. Whatever it is, you've got a place. Lord, what is it in this place that's undone, that you can't get anyone to do, that you look and you go, wow, I want that well accessible? Whatever that is. I, I want to invite you to really think about that prayer, though, before you pray it. And I want you to, I just encourage you. I, I don't want to say I want you because I'm kind of telling you what to do. Um. If you're married, talk about it with your spouse. This would be a great thing to sit down and talk with your children about. Are we willing to do anything for the Lord? And if we are, are we willing to sit down together and say, Lord, show us what you can't get anyone else to do? Let me just ask you this. If, if you knew that there was something that the Lord would go, I couldn't get anybody to do that. Thank you. If there was anything on a list somewhere, wouldn't you want to be the guy that does that? Like you'd be in a minute, I'll do it, I'll do it. Because I want to have that kind of impact in your heart. Well, that's a good place to start with, Lord, If is there? Okay, I beat that one a little bit to death. But oh, to drink from the well near the gate in Bethlehem. I want to hear the Lord say something like that where I can hear him and know what he's saying. In the area that we work in, it's so hard to work. The granite is so deep. It's like North Carolina, and, and we're there, and I know the Lord appreciates it. And I'm saying that not because of me, but because of you. Because if Matt Peterson hadn't given us the freedom to just go over there and go for it and made the commitment to raise the funds so that we could take some years to figure out how to do it, because our first four wells dry holes. And Matt wasn't discouraged at all. He's like, okay, what do we need to do? And so thank you, Matt. Thank you. I want to honor you for that. 
And then this church that's been behind Matt, when Matt said, hey, as a church, can we get behind this? I feel that. You guys are behind us. You're for us. You help us with your resources. So this is all of us together doing something in an area where no one else was working. And guess what? There's still nobody else but us in this whole area where this a small nation called the Kuria Nation lives. We're the only ones there. How cool is that? Okay. So I'm here on furlough. I'm right at the end. In three days, we, we get in our car and we get in somebody else's car and we start heading back to Africa. We're not going to drive all the way, but, but that's the start. So we're right at the end, and I just want to give you a synopsis of what I've heard while I've been on furlough. And I've actually heard this since I was a little boy. Are you ready for it? It's one little small sentence. It encapsulates, encapsulates everything. Boy, it's really getting bad. You guys been hearing that? Since I was a little boy, people have been saying, man, it's getting bad. I remember my dad would go to the diner and drink coffee with his friends. And I was a little kid, and he'd say, okay, you can go with us. You can go with me, and when the table fills up, you're going to need to sit at the next table because to make room for the next guy because we don't know how many are coming, and you need to be quiet. But if you do all that, so I'd sit over there and drink my hot chocolate. And I, I would listen a little bit and have my comic book, and there was no Game Boys back then, but anyway... Uh, I know it sounds sad for some of you guys that people actually grew up that way, but um, they would shake their head and say, man, it's getting bad. I don't know what we're going to do a few years from now. It's getting so bad, there's no way that this thing can keep going on. And yet I look at the last 50 years, and it's just gotten better. Like at every level, things have gotten better, pretty much. I'm not worried about what the enemy's doing in his camp. But we run around and we say how bad it's getting. And I think the Lord is longing for people to say how good it is and get outside of these church walls and dance around a little bit and maybe in Walmart or something. I don't know. I mean, this worship was awesome. This choir was inspiring. I was a wreck on the floor. But imagine if we could take some of that emotion and some of that message out there. I think that's one of the undone things that the church has yet to really do is to really be the church outside of these walls, outside of Sunday morning. You guys with me? Are you willing? Because sometimes the only thing we, we can imagine is being like a Todd White. I'm going to look for people that look sick in Walmart and I'm going to pray for them. Man, that's a high bar for some of us. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Just ask the Lord to show you how. I bet you He will. But Proverbs 4.18, and here's where we'll start. There you go, man, he's fast. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It grows brighter and brighter until the full day. So listen to this. If your path is not getting brighter, what'd you say? Maybe you're on the wrong path? She said it, not me. <laughs> Get mad at her. <laughs> no, that's the right answer. You know, we just saying, I see evidence of God's goodness all over my life. Man, that, that wrecked me right there. And that's what this is. And that is how we should be living because that evidence is in us. And I, I pray this probably every single day. Lord, how is it that you are inside of me and I'm so unaware of it? Wow. What if I was more aware and then more aware. Imagine the life I would be living. So, ah, hallelujah. You ever, you ever note, here comes a transition. You ready? Transition statement. That was it. <laughs> you ever notice how all the good movies and TV shows now are about superheroes? You guys seen that growing trend? The biggest blockbusters that make the most money and have the biggest grand opening weekends are superhero movies of some sort. And they all have the same thing. Here's a normal guy like you and me. We're getting beat up by this enemy. 
And then we find out we have some kind of latent thing like the presence of God that we're unaware of. And we become aware of it and we go, what is this? And then it kind of starts leaking out and we go, oh, I'm never doing that again. And then we, and then we start thinking about it and then they, they go back over and they try it again. And now, ooh, man, I, I not only jumped higher as a building, I think I could fly now. And they start developing these they dis- first they discover, right? Discover, then develop their gift. And then they apply it to this newfound understanding or purpose. And so then they go against the same enemy that was kicking their, you know, and they start, they start winning. It's a common theme. I want to tell you today, it's going to sound like I'm scolding you a little bit, you know, like that path of righteous thing that Beth was giving us a second ago. But, but I'm really not here to, to correct you. I'm here to tell you who you are. Okay, that's what I'm trying to do. So you're superheroes. And you have superpowers. And how many of you guys believe that might be true? There you go. For those online, that's the whole room, just about. Um, If we can discover our superpowers and aim them against the opposing force, we will discover our purpose and calling. But until we start, maybe there's no reason for us to understand it because we won't walk in it. So when we pray prayers like, show me what you can't get anyone else to do, that's why I said we need to think about it first. Because we're responsible for the light that comes into our life. And so at the end of the message, we'll take a minute and we'll, we'll consider this all this before the Lord. But But here's where I'm going with that little point. Once I was asking the Lord, why are you so quiet? And he said, you need to do the last things I gave you to do. Because if I give you new things to do, you're not ready for them and you won't do them. And then you'll be in disobedience. So the Lord's covering for me knowing what I'm not ready to walk in. Not willing, I should say, to walk in. And he won't won't give me those commandments yet or those instructions, because once I know, if I don't do it, then I'm in disobedience. So some of us get stuck like that because we're just not thinking it through. And I'm sorry for that bunny trail. It may not have fit. But um, Daniel prophesied one day the people of God will know God and do exploits. I'm wondering, as a person of God, do I know him? And maybe the evidence, according to Daniel, of the end times is those who know him will be doing mighty exploits. What does that look like for somebody that's a superhero with superpowers? You walk into a dark place like 2020 and you shine because you go, wow, this is my opportunity. I love this year. Things are so bad. It's so easy to stick out and shine. If I go out in the parking lot and try to get you to notice my light right now, you won't even see it because it's too bright. But if I come in here, you'll notice it. And then if we turn out the lights, you can turn your back to me and stand in the corner and I can strike a match and the reflection of that spark, you'll see it even with your back turned. You'll be like, wow, there's a light in here. And you'll turn around towards it. We should love things like 2020. We should rejoice at things like COVID in this regard. When darkness covers the earth and deep darkness covers the people, the spirit of the Lord will rise upon you and the nations will come to your brightness and your shining. So superheroes run towards that sort of thing. And our superpowers are unlimited. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm never going to die. Because I already died with Christ. It's either true or it's not. If it's not true, we're all in trouble. And this whole thing is messed up. But it is true, which means I've already died. I don't have to experience death ever again. I'll step out of this body. It will fall to the ground. You'll have to deal with it. Sorry. No, <laughs> nobody gets to clean up their own mess in that regard, except for Elijah, right? And Enoch. But... 
You can, you can be that same place if you know the Lord. Super e- eternal life. But just because we're superheroes and just because we have superpowers doesn't mean we should be arrogant and cocky about it. So here we go. I'm going to tell you who you are not. You are not called to be that person. Can I say this in the pulpit? <laughs> I'll step us. He doesn't know what I'm going to say. That pisses everybody else off on social media. That's not who you're called to be. Nobody likes an arrogant athlete that can, you know, he makes the touchdown, a good run, and you're like, yes. And then he does this thing that's so all about him and so unconnected with his fans that they're repulsed by it. So some of us do that with our ideas. Like no one ever just jumps in your face with correction on Facebook and changes your mind, do they? Like never. What makes you think you can do that (laughs) with someone else? It It doesn't work. But what does work is no matter what the situation and no matter how dark it is, you can bring Christ into that situation. Man, think about it. Whether you're in the workplace, whether you're on social media, you can bring Christ in. And Christ, the last time I checked, is not trying to win arguments. He could in a second. But you ever notice he's quiet? I remember one time, Matt, you did, you did this beautiful thing, but it didn't feel good in the moment, but, but I knew I needed it. Matt, Matt had me meet him for coffee one time and said, I want to help you with something. He said, you, you come on too strong. And you may be right about what you're saying, but you just, you just come on and you talk too much and you try to get the person to see it the way you're seeing it. You try too hard. I needed that. I think I still need it. But thank you for that. And you know what he said to really drive that point home? He said, Pat, consider the Lord. He knows everything about everything. And yet he says so few words. And yet he gets the truth across to everyone that needs it. But he's a, he's a person of few words and chooses them wisely. I thought that was, that's good stuff. I hope there's maybe 20 people in the room, Matt, now that you won't have to meet with and have that conversation with them. Remember, I didn't come here to correct you. I came here to tell you who you are. And uh, when Christ appears, we'll fully understand it because Colossians 3 says he is our life. And he's way more than a superhero, by the way. He's our savior. But listen to this. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but hear what I'm saying. He's much, much, much more than just a savior. And some of us have reduced him to only savior. Okay? We've said the prayer. We know where we're going in the end. We're like, I know he's in me. I can't tell. For the most part, I'm not very aware of it, but he's there, and then we go on with life without him. And then when we really need him, he shows up. Okay, that's Superman. That's not Jesus. See, Superman swoops in, saves the day, and then what does he do? Flies back to his fortress of solitude. And we have this subconscious feeling that that's the way the Lord is sometimes. Not you guys, but the people in the other churches. And so, so Jesus is like the opposite of that. Like, I'd rather not show up and save you maybe because when you're in this place, you're really glorifying me by holding on to me and clinging to me and walking with me. And I want that so badly that I'll walk with you and I'll carry your pain. You think you're carrying it, but you're not. I'm really carrying it with you. And maybe sometimes I wonder if he says, because if I heal you, you'll just fly away. 
because you'll think I flew away. I'm not saying the Lord punishes us because he wants to be with us and it's the only way. I'm not saying that, but maybe I'm saying that a little bit. I don't, I don't know how all this stuff works, but, but the Lord wants relationship with us, and that's why Jesus explained what salvation was to his disciples in the priestly prayer right before he washed their feet and got arrested. He was saying a prayer to the Father, and he knew John's writing it down. He knew that. And he knew it was going to be in the Bible forever. He knew that too. And so he goes, he decides to define eternal life for us. And he's talking to the Father when he does it, just in case we're wondering if that was his concept of eternal life and not maybe the full one. And he goes, Father, this is eternal life. So you know what's going to follow is the real deal. That they may know you, the true God, and the Christ whom you sent. Now, the reason I'm pointing that out is because eternal life is not a prayer you pray and it's not an amount of faith you have. It's not a certain thing you do. It's relationship. This is eternal life that they may, that they would know you. And that's why he said, some will come to me and even do ministry and think they're connected to me through their ministry. And they'll say, we, we preached, we cast out demons, we healed the sick, we did all this stuff. And he doesn't say, no, you didn't. And he's not going to say you cast out demons by Beelzebub because he himself said that's not possible. That would be a kingdom divided against itself that wouldn't work. No, instead of saying they didn't do those things, he just says, I don't know you. I never knew you. So the danger is that we relate more to ministry or to fruit or to works than we do to really connecting with him. And connecting with him is not nearly as hard as we make it out to be in our minds. Because sometimes we can just, just take some time and sit with him and say things to him over and over like, Holy Spirit, how is it that you're right here inside of me and I'm so unaware of it? Lord, I want that to change. Help me see the things I'm doing that cause me to be dull or I don't feel your presence and I don't hear you. Show me those things and so I'll stop doing them. Take the desire for those things out of me. Lord, I want to change. I don't want to tell you how to pray, but Superman's not trying to reproduce himself in anybody, but Jesus is. Watch this. Jesus offers us the same deal that the Father offers him. The same deal. Because he came as a man. It says he emptied himself of his divine nature. It didn't mean he stopped being God, but he did not take the cape. He did not take the... He took kryptonite, okay? <laughs> he became a man that could be hurt. He didn't say, I could call 10,000 angels. No, he said, my father. I could ask my father and he would send 10,000 angels. He was a man dependent on God in the same way we were. And God called him into something and now he calls us into the same thing. And, and here's part of it, Revelation 3.21. To those who overcome, I will grant to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat next to my father. We, we usually stop in the first half of that verse and go, man, I want to be one of those guys because I think the throne is big enough for everybody, but I don't think everybody will share it. It's for the overcomers. I'm not sure exactly what that means, so I talk to the Lord about it almost every day. I want that. I want to be near him. I don't want to see him from a distance. And, But for me, the most important alarming thing about this is he says, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus is not asking us to do anything he hasn't done. People say, well, I'll never ask you to do something I wouldn't be willing to do myself. But I think Jesus took it a step farther. I can't see in scripture where he ever asked us to do anything that he hadn't already done. Man, that's good stuff. That'll preach. Many people 
one of our favorite teachers used to tell us this, Matt, on Presley Road, many people want to be overcomers, but most people don't want to have to overcome anything. That's the problem. But Jesus equates overcoming and obedience with loving him. And a lot of times we don't like to talk like that because it sounds like we're saying love is conditional. And his love is not conditional, but there are things that will allow us to abide in his love more than if we don't do those things. Just like a kid who's rebelling against his mother in the house is not going to get the same loving mother towards him as the kid who's being obedient. But the mother never stops loving the rebellious child, right? But he's not going to get that side of her and that part of her. So Jesus said, John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments, and I tell you, this verse is my favorite verse. You're allowed 10 or 15, 20 favorite verses. I say this verse back to God at least once a day. Oh, my goodness. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, they are the ones who love me. Okay, I can't score my scorecard. I can't determine if I love Jesus by anything other than what Jesus says. You do this, you love me. Because you know what? If you don't do it, you don't love me. That's what he's saying. And he's the one who said it. To them, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, they are the ones who love me. And the ones who love me will be loved by my Father. How many of you guys want the Father to love you? All you got to do is obey what Jesus said. It's easier to run to Paul. Paul's got it. Man, Paul's easy. Romans 7, yeah, I can will it and I can't do it. I fall short. Yeah, give me some of that, right? But we got to read Romans 7 in the light of Romans 6 and 8. Romans 7 isn't telling us we can... We can excuse ourselves. Romans 7 is explaining why it's so hard to do 6 and 8, but we're still supposed to do 6 and 8. Victory over sin. Full victory. He's just saying in Romans 7, this explains why it's hard, not impossible. But we go, oh, no one can do anything good or be good, and we get into this thing, and pretty soon the Lord's not there anymore in our understanding. But the one who loves me, will be loved by my Father. And then Jesus circles back around emphatically, and I will love him and reveal myself or manifest myself to him. Man, that's what I want more than anything, and I think you guys do too. You want to see the Lord. Like you hear of people that have these visitations, and you hear these prophets that see these things, and you read in the Scripture, and doors are open, and invitations come up here, and we're all like, yes, yes, I want that more than anything. And here's, here's what he says. Here's the pathway. Isn't this beautiful? And then Judas, not Iscariot, said, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not the whole world? Okay, that was the wrong question. But almost every time somebody asked Jesus a question, it was the wrong question. And almost every time he answered the question they should have asked anyway. So that's our Lord. That's awesome. He didn't say, that's a stupid thing. You should ask this. Instead, it says Jesus answered him. So we know this is the answer to Judas, not Iscariot's question. And he says the same thing again in different words. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Man, I want that. That's the reward for obeying him. And then Jesus goes, hey, won't ask you to do anything I haven't already done. John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples right before he goes to the cross. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Man, how do I abide in God's love? How do I abide in Jesus' love? Here he's telling us how to do it, and we just read it over. That priestly prayer is so rich, you can't just read it. And get it. You gotta, you can read it through, and then you gotta stop at one verse and like make that your focus for a while because they're all like, wow. 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Jesus is saying, here's how I did it when I was a man. This is the way God lives as a man. So if God had to do this, if God lived this way, how much more should we live this way? I obeyed my Father's commandments and I abided in His love. It was important for Him. How much more would it be important for us if the only begotten Son of God did this with His life? You guys still there? I only got an hour and a half left. We're moving along good. Um, you guys okay? Seriously? Because sometimes it just gets too much. I could do a word of our, from our sponsor. We got a book table back there. No kidding. Buy the books, please. They help us print books and give them out to Africans who can't. Uh, afford to buy them, and they need them, so buy them all. There's not that many back there. And um, were you talking about money, Beth? Yeah, one book's called Money God's Way. Get that one. Jesus talked more about money than he did about ministry because he knew we need to deal with it every day. He didn't want us to be in the dark. There's a CD here, a D and man, this thing, you guys know John Mark McMillan? Okay, he produced it. He got all these people to sign up. He gave us a song. You guys know Leonard Jones? He gave us another one. Molly Williams, Songs of Water, uh, Roach, what's his first? Stephen Roach. Susie Yari gave us a song. Rita Springer, Jonathan Helser, all on this thing right here, 10 bucks. So buy them. There's only 10 back there. And I tell you what, anybody that goes back and signs up for One Tribe today, you can pick anything on the table for free. We've even got, even got pop sockets. Okay, back to our message. Can you imagine Jesus after about two and a half years of his ministry getting his disciples together and saying, man, this sucks like we all did last year when COVID came and changed everything. Can you imagine that? We can't, right? So if Jesus has gave us this lifestyle to look at, if we can't picture him doing it, we shouldn't be doing it. We shouldn't be going, oh, which is what, this is what I did for decades, and I'm ashamed of it. I said, well, that was Jesus. Man, don't ever say that. Because it's supposed to be us. It is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of heaven. So earlier I said the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It grows brighter and brighter until the full day. If our path is not growing brighter, maybe we're on the wrong path or maybe we're not being righteous. But here's another way to look at this. Um, it is through, if you're not, if you don't have any tribulations, maybe, maybe we're not entering the kingdom because that's the way in. I'm going to try to squeeze most of what I got left here in like five or seven minutes. So it's going to go fast. You guys ready for the fire hose? The Holy Spirit. Everything you've ever understood about the Lord, every time you've ever seen even a little thing and got a glimpse of Christ, even if it was in another person and it was a teaching from the pulpit or if it was from your prayer time or just God speaking to you, it's been by the Holy Spirit. He's not a consolation prize. And He loves you. And you can talk to Him and you can just... Sometimes I sit there and I just go, Lord, by faith I urge my life in your direction. Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is less than and we look for Jesus up there and we look for the Father up there. And that's good to look and behold the face of Christ. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit walks with you and you can connect with him. And he likes it when you talk to him and and Jesus said, it's better for you that he comes 
than for me to be next to you like I was with the disciples. Wow. Doesn't feel like that's true, but I have to, I have to convince myself it is true. And it's better for your neighbor, whatever orbit you're in, it's better for your neighbor that the Holy Spirit is in you than if Jesus was next to you. You think, man, if I get Jesus and go knock on that guy's door, he'd listen. Or I'd have something to say or I'd have the courage. But Paul says for the, the Gentiles, in other words, for the lost, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah? It really is. That's their hope. You're the only Jesus some people will ever get. And it's enough if you'll tap into your superpower of bringing Christ into any situation. That's why we let our good deeds shine and we do them before others and we're kind to people and compassionate and we talk to them like they're valuable people, even if they're our enemies, because it says when you do these things, especially to your enemy, you prove you are sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. That's a good promise. And they will give him glory. And this is a, Paul says this is a great mystery being revealed to the world. In one place in Ephesians, either 2.10 or 3.10, I think it's 3.10, that the manifest presence of God will be made known now through the church to the powers and principalities. So God's not only doing a Christ in you, the hope of glory to the Gentiles. He's doing a Christ in you, in your face, powers and principalities. I'm still defeating you. So the picture of that verse is that God's forcing the powers and principalities to watch the church. And God says, this is my manifold wisdom being revealed. In other words, God is letting you speak for him. It's a very vulnerable place for him. He's trusting you. The manifold wisdom of God will be made known now in the church. So when you have a 2020 come along, God tells them, watch my church to see my wisdom, to see if I really knew what I was doing when I called them and said, this is my kingdom of priests. That's who we're called to be. Let's go to Romans 8.28. We know that those who love God, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. How many of you guys, that's a favorite verse of yours? It's, it's one of mine. It's on many refrigerators. There's been many posters and screensavers made with that verse. But the verse after it is the one that makes me jump up and down. Go ahead and put that one up, Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, somebody say, that's me. He also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Wow. In order that he might be only the firstborn among many. And the Greek word there means brothers and sisters and King James put brothers and everybody followed after. Sorry, ladies. It should say brothers and sisters. Are you kidding me? God wants us to be like him. I'm going to be like Jesus because God's not going to fail. Eventually, he's going to get me there. That's worth jumping up and down. That's worth getting excited for. Whew, somebody needs to say amen. Okay. When Jesus was resurrected, he told Mary, don't keep clinging to me. So we know she was hugging him because he used the Greek word, don't keep clinging to me. I've not yet ascended to my father. Something about her heart touched him in such a way that he, he was allowing her to detain him. And not only that, but he stopped on the way up to the father. Can you imagine that? That's how much he loves us. He's... he's He's done this work. He's been crucified. He's gone to hell. He's on his way to the Father to bring maybe his blood to pour it out. I don't know what, how that all happened. But he hears her and he stops. And he says, now let me go. And he says, go back and tell my brothers. He had just called them friends the day before. 
And when he called them friends, or three days before, and when he called them friends, he said, I'm not calling you servants anymore. So as a promotion, friends from servants, and now he says, brothers, something changed. Tell them I'm ascending to my father and their father. Yeah? Whew. And then he appears in the upper room behind a locked door. And he breathes on them. He just went full circle from the creation when he breathed on man the first time. This time he breathes on them. It says, receive what you lost. You lost the spirit of God. Here it is. He breathes on them and says, receive the spirit. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. All they had to wait for was the power, but the Holy Spirit came right then. And then you know what he says to them after that? I don't have this verse in there, but it's there, John 22. Here comes the superpower, and we look at this and we don't get it. Angie, I spoke to you earlier. You're going to get this, and maybe when you do, it's going to be a powerful revelation. Come talk to Matt. Jesus said, if you forgive anyone, forgive others. And then he says, if you do, their sins are forgiven. And if you don't, they're not. Man, I'm not saying I want that responsibility, but I have it. Grow up. It's time for us to grow up. I don't know what all that means. And of course, if I fail in forgiving somebody, it doesn't mean the father won't clean it up. But he's given us some power that we didn't have before. And we are so selective in using it. And maybe we should be more deliberate. And one of those powers is the power of forgiveness. Because the person doing the wrong thing, they're the ones in need of ministry, yet we sit back and go, they're the ones that need to make it right. And sometimes they can't. Imagine if God, imagine Jesus two and a half years in his ministry said, look, you guys are not willing to do your part to make this right. I keep healing you. I've even raised people from the dead. And you want to trade me in for Barabbas who's killing people. What's wrong with you? But he would never say that. But yet sometimes we go, well, until that person, whatever it is, they got to they make it right. They got to do their part. I don't know about you. I didn't do my part for salvation. I didn't do any of it. It's a superpower we have to forgive sins. Okay, I'm done. Uh, One of the things the Lord showed me today that I don't know, I might might figure it out a bit differently and change it a little bit later. Uh, But I believe the Lord just showed me the streets of gold in heaven and said there's because I talked to him this morning I said I'm going to ask them to pray this prayer with me in this coming year of Lord what is it that no one will do and I expected him when he would finally answer that prayer to say something hard like go down to that one street in that one neighborhood to those people right there and nobody can help them because they're just too hard to help you know or whatever you know, something hard like that. Because I thought it would be hard, but I was just asking, what is no one doing that you want done? And I, I, all I can say is we're all invited to walk on those streets right now. So I want to, I just want to take a minute and let that sink in. There's gold in front of the throne And it's like a sea of glass. And people are dancing on it. People are rejoicing before the Lord. And they're, you know, go to, we need to practice, Beth. We need to go to Revelation. We need to read what they say. There's lines, worthy is the Lamb. We've got lines we need to say. Because it says everyone above heaven, in heaven, below heaven, on the earth, all shout out, and to the Lamb of the God who was slain. And there's lines in there. We need to memorize those so we'll know our part. We can start now, but I I just felt like the Lord showed me those streets and said, we can walk. Pat, you can walk on those streets right now. And I looked down, and there it is. 
So I want to give you guys an opportunity that we can respond that maybe this is what the Lord is doing in the room today. And so just want to give everybody a chance to stand up here and just sometimes we need to do something different, you know, than what we're doing. So, so you don't have to stand up. If you receive from the Lord better sitting down, feel free to stay seated. But if you want to stand, for me, I stand sometimes. And uh, if anybody wants to play any music, that would be great too. But I just want to, I just want us to take a minute and ask the Lord about this and give him an opportunity to show us more. Yeah? Because sometimes we see a little something and we run off excited. And uh, I want to be like Mary, who's like, we're all going to eat late today because I'm not getting up till he's done preaching. You know? Lord, we just, we want everything you have for us. We want to be the people of God in this earth. And there's promises for later that are also for now. And Lord, some of us are going to walk on streets of gold long before we step out of this physical body. And I want to be one of those people. And I just pray that today would be one of those days when that starts for people all over the room. And Lord, we know that being on those streets of gold symbolizes something that's in your heart. And we want that. We don't want our own imagination. We don't want to limit it to our, our own thinking. Lord, if we, for anyone who heard something today that was new for them, that got their attention and they said, I want that, Lord, I pray that you would cause that word to go into their heart like a giant seed, like an avocado seed that they can't get away from. It's so big. And that it grows. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.